is my heart is full this morning and thankful for thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And uh, young people, you may be uh, dismissed at this time. Mr. Johnson's in the back there. I'm so thankful for what uh, for what the Lord has has done in our church this week. I'm thankful for how He's guiding and directing families to partner and even others are praying now about about being baptized and what the Lord's done for salvation and so thankful for thankful for that and I'm thankful for how the Lord directed the beginning of our series last week as we started this series on our final destination and it is a series that is based on a study of heaven as well as as well as hell and last week we we looked at the of the thieves that were on the cross, and uh, how you and I can have how you and I can have confidence in heaven, and uh, so I'm thankful for those in this room that uh, trusted Christ as their Savior last week, for uh, what God's going to continue to do uh, in your life in the days and weeks ahead, as well as our church. I'm thankful for God's grace. I'm thankful that it's always sufficient. Now I'm thankful that you're here today. The blessing to worship with you and a blessing to uh, to serve you and I trust that uh, I trust that the Lord will continue to continue to work in this service well there's a story about a man who uh, learned that he was uh, getting very close to uh, close to death and he goes to the Lord and he said he said Lord can I can I bring something to heaven and uh, the Lord said absolutely not you know, you, you brought nothing into this world and you can't take anything out. And he kind of just kind of was persistent with the Lord. I said, Lord, please, can I, can I, just, can I just bring something to heaven? And uh, finally, the, finally, the Lord said, you know what? You can go ahead. You can, you know, you, you can bring your one thing. And, uh, and so he goes and he kind of just fills a, uh, fills a backpack full of gold. And uh, so now it was his, you know, it was, his, it was his time to go. And he gets to the pearly gates there, and the angels were like, "No, no, you can't bring, you can't bring anything into heaven." And uh, the man said, "But no, 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 I, I talked to the Lord, and I'm allowed to bring something." And they said, "Okay, all right, you can come on in." And and they said, "Well, by the way, what did you, what did you bring in?" And so they they opened up the backpack, and the angel said, "Oh, pavement." And uh, so the gold, the things that we value so much, is simply a street in heaven. But I wonder how much you actually know about them. I wonder what your ideas about heaven are based on. Are they based on hard fact? Are they based on heresy? Are they based on people's stories of, you know, I went to, I went to heaven and I came back and there's books and stories and you know, movies about those different types of things. And I wonder if those stories line up with the biblical description with which we know. And uh, what are we going to do once we get to heaven? And how do we get there? We kind of tried to answer that a little bit uh, last week. And what I want us to do is finding the answers to questions like that are easier than originally thought. And so over actually the next couple weeks, what I want us to do is I want us to kind of take even a little bit of a different approach at our 11 o'clock hour here, and that would be questions that we have about heaven. Just simple questions that we have 
and I want to do my I want to do my do my best to look into Scripture and kind of answer uh, some of the some of the questions that we have and kind of sift out from the popular myths and the try to get an amazing accurate picture of heaven as well as the as well as the afterlife. And so the first question I want us to ponder here this morning, it's going to be a little bit different, is this, what is heaven? Just what is, what is heaven? The Bible uses uh, the word heaven 582 times, and it is found in those 582 times over a span of 550 different verses in your Bible. The Hebrew word translated heaven is shamayim, and it is a plural noun form that literally means the heights. So the so the Hebrew word, you know, kind of just it means it means the heights. The Greek word translated heaven is oranos, or it's the same word that inspired the name of the uh, planet Uranus. And uh, what that word means, it refers to that which is raised up or lofty. And so both of those words in the Hebrew is in the Old Testament and the Greek in the New Testament, they're used variously in Scripture to refer to three different places. That probably explains why in 2 Corinthians 12, when Paul talks about being in the third heaven, and it says in 2 Corinthians 12 too, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, such as one caught up to the, notice, the third heaven. So it kind of, you and I understand that there's, there's, he's talking about there's three kind of different heavens, and the first of those heavens would be the, the atmospheric heaven. This would be the sky. This would be the, um, the, 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 the region of breathable atmosphere. It's what, it's what blankets earth. And this beginning, this first question is going to kind of set a tone that every single time you read the word heaven, it doesn't mean exactly the same thing. Okay, there's three different types of heaven in which you read. And the first one is kind of the atmosphere, this breathable air. And so I can tell you that you're in heaven right now. Okay, just not always the heaven in which you and I are thinking about in Genesis chapter 7. God tells us in the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, the 70th day of the month, and uh, the 17th, excuse me, day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up, and the windows of heaven were opened, and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And so there the word heaven, it it refers to the, the blanket of atmosphere around the world. It's the hydrological system in which you and I enjoy rain, and I think we might even get some later here tonight. Um, Psalm 147, verse 8 says, Who covereth the heaven with cloud? Who prepareth rain for the earth? Who maketh grass to grow upon the mountains? So that's the, that's the first heaven. It's kind of the atmosphere in which you and I enjoy. It's, it's, what, we, it's what we breathe. It's the rain. It's the clouds. It's, it's everything that you and I see. It's kind, of, it's kind of our world, so to speak. But the second heaven is where the stars are. It's where the moon and where the planets are. Scripture uses the very same word, 
heaven, but it's describing an entirely different region. In Genesis 1, and God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days. Let me just really quick right here. How often do we see the sun? Every day, right? It goes up, comes down. But most of the times we also see a moon, right? It kind of, it gives us a day. Let me just get on a soapbox here for 15 seconds. Maybe a little bit longer, okay? When God said that he created the earth, we're talking about six literal days of the morning and the evening, okay? It's not billions of years between day one and day two and day three. When, when, when the Bible tells us in, this, in the morning and evening were the first day, you get the literal the literal interpretation. Scripture answering Scripture, okay? You've got the sun, you've got the moon. We get days, we get years. We'll keep going, verse 15. And let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day. Of course, that's the sun. And the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give them light upon the earth. And so you've got kind of the heaven, so to speak, the atmosphere that you and I enjoy every single day. I got to tell you what, we really have a nice atmosphere in the Bay Area. Amen. Hey, it was a little cold this morning. I found myself complaining, thinking, hey, what about those East Coasters? You know, freezing. And I uh, just got a little bit spoiled. I came in the auditorium this morning, and uh, really the sun hadn't come up yet, but it was just a little tiny bit of, you know, kind of light outside, and all of the stained glass was just kind of having, it was so beautiful. I mean, if you, if you looked at our auditorium, glory to God for that. I found myself complaining. I'm like, yeah, it's a little too cold in here. You know, those different types of things. But uh, the atmosphere that you and I definitely get to enjoy here in the Bay Area. Heaven number two would be ah, the stars, everything you see in the sky there, the sun and the moon and the planet. Okay? But the third heaven, the one that Paul was speaking of, is the heaven where God dwells. It's the place where his holy, holy angels and the Christians who have died before us go. The, the third heaven is what, I, is what we, opened this inter, we opened this series with last week. When the thief said, you know, remember me when you come into thy kingdom. And Jesus said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Now that's, a, that's another question that I'm going to answer another week about Abraham's bosom and, and paradise and the heaven in which you and I understand in the New Testament era here after the resurrection. But that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the dwelling place of God. The first two heavens, your atmosphere, my atmosphere, and the stars and the planets, those are all going to pass away. But the third heaven is eternal. We see in 2 Peter 3, kind of just a little classroom setting this morning. I hope, you, I hope that's okay. It says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away. With a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burnt up. And so the heavens, that would be heaven level one and two. And then Paul is referencing that third heaven. That'd be the dwelling place of God. So what is it? Okay, let me try to answer another question that we might have this morning. And that would be, where is it? Where is 
heaven. Heaven is not limited by the normal boundaries of time and space. Scripture clearly teaches that heaven is a real place and that it can be touched and inhabited by beings and with material body. But Scripture also reveals that heaven is a realm that's not confined to an area, that's not confined or limited to height or breadth or any of the width or any of those types of things. Heaven seems to span all of the dimensions and more. In Christ's message to the church there at Philippi, for example, he speaks of these eternal realms, and Jesus speaks to this church in Revelation 3, verse 12. Him that overcometh, will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the excuse me, name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, which is, notice this, New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. In the closing chapters of the book of Revelation, John says this, And he carried me away, chapter 21, in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. So this new heaven and this new earth they're, they're, they're seen kind of blending together with, you know, together in a great kingdom that incorporates both realms. The paradise of eternity is thus revealed as a magnificent kingdom where both heaven and earth unite in a glory that really honestly surpasses the limits of our human imagination. You're saying, Ryan, you're not, you're not doing a very good job of explaining it. Exactly. It's kind of little beyond what we can fully understand, that cities are kind of coming down from heaven and so on and so forth. So heaven is not confined to one location. It's not marked off by boundaries that can be seen or measured. It transcends the confines of time and space, all of those dimensions. Perhaps the... The, 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 the part of what Scripture means when it states that God inhabits eternity. Isaiah 53, verse 15 says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity. His dwelling place, heaven, it's not subject to the normal limitation, finite dimension. And so here I'm about to say before we go on to another question. We, don't need, we do not need to speculate about how this can be. It is sufficient to know that this is how Scripture describes heaven. It is a real place where people will, with physical bodies, will dwell in God's presence for all of eternity. And it is also a realm that surpasses our finite concept of what a place is. Some, this new Jerusalem, they're gonna, their bodies are going to be different than our glorified bodies. And there's, there's this, it's not exactly what you and I would maybe define as a place. It's beyond our understanding. And what I'm here to tell you is, is that ought to be okay. You don't have to have all of the answers 
You don't have to poll every single person that wrote a book. I went to heaven and came back. And a lot of times you read those and they don't, they don't line up with what Scripture has told us heaven is. So let me give you another question here. What will heaven be like? Man, what would heaven, what's it gonna, what's it gonna be like? Well, in heaven, there's gonna be no more sin. There's gonna be no suffering, there's gonna be no sorrow, nor pain. Uh, John tells us in, in Revelation that there's no more sorrow, there's no more tears, there's no more nothing like that. And I say, praise God for that. You and I were never gonna do anything that ever displeases God. There's gonna be no persecution. There's going to be no disunity. There's going to be no divisions. There's going to be no hate. In heaven, there's going to be no disagreements. There's going to be no disappointments. Have you ever disappointed somebody? In heaven, there's going to be none of that. Hallelujah. There's going to be no more weeping because there's going to be nothing for me. How many of you want to go there right now? Me too. Heaven? Heaven's going to be, going to be a place where you have perfect pleasure. Psalm 16, verse 11 says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, where's Jesus right now? At the right hand of the Father. He's in heaven. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Everything now that makes us groan will one day be done away with. And we're going to find ourselves in the, in, in the very presence of God with the purest and truest kind of joy. I don't know about you, but sometimes joy is fleeting here in this earth, okay? And uh, I'm hoping, me as a big, huge Eagles fan, I hope that my joy can last a couple more weeks into the Super Bowl, okay? All right, hey, you, you joined me with that, all right? Just a bunch of kinetic power, you know, rooting for the Eagles. It doesn't matter a lick when it comes to heaven, I get that. But hey, I want to be happy for the next few weeks, all right? And so you join with me. By the way, anybody wants to come over for Super Bowl, go for it. I think, um, yeah. No, I think my wife's with the kids, so that might startle her. I probably should have done that. Uh, I will apologize later, but you are welcome to come over. Okay? And so, but pleasure forevermore. You know what else you're going to have in heaven? You're going to have understanding. You're going to have an understanding. Right now, you got so many questions. <laughs> 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, now I know in part, but then shall I know even as also I am known. In other words, God knows you perfectly. There's going to come a day where we understand well. We're going to have no more unanswered questions. Well, Ryan, you're not doing a very good job answering my question about heaven. Okay, you'll understand. No confusion. No ignorance. No more need to walk by faith other than sight. It's hard to walk. God gives us these promises. Hard. We want to we see it all. And understand. We're going to live in perfect comfort. I won't complain about it being too cold. We'll never experience one uncomfortable moment. We're going to finally know perfect love. Sometimes, sometimes we wonder if people love. And it's amazing when we see glimpses of just genuine love, but that's not always. Sometimes we don't. Sometimes we don't love perfectly, and sometimes we're not loved perfectly. But when we get to heaven, it's going to be perfect love. God is going to show us this His love 
for all of eternity. His love is going to engulf us forever. We're finally going to be perfect. Finally going to be free from evil. We're never going to again have a selfish desire or a useless word. We're never going to perform another unkind deed or think a sinful thought. We'll be perfectly liberated from the captivity of sin and finally be able to do what is absolutely righteous, holy, and perfect before God. I can't wait. That's what heaven's going to be like. With sin and all of its effects erased forever, it's going to be a life of unimaginable blessing, unimaginable joy. Let me try to answer another question for you here this morning. And that is this. How good do I have to be to go to heaven? Good do I have to be to go to heaven? And so this will be our final question, big question that we'll consider, but there'll be multiple questions that I'd like to ask throughout the remainder of this message. I think most people understand that doing evil can keep people out of heaven. But few realize the Bible also teaches that doing good cannot get us in. None of us could ever gain enough merit to ever deserve heaven. The reason why is because you and I are sinful and God's standard is utter perfection. Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 verse 24, I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of God. God said, hey, by the way, I'm holy. Be ye holy. He said, I'm, as I'm perfect, you also need to be perfect. That is what is required for a man or for a woman to, to enter into heaven. Isn't it? How many of you are perfect? How many of you have had a bad week? No, don't raise your hand. Let me ask you another question. Then who can be saved? Then who can, who can have that, as I was preaching on last week, that confidence? Who, who, who can know that? Well, the disciples, they asked Jesus the same question. And Jesus gave them an answer. Matthew 19, verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. In other words, our salvation is nothing, nothing that you and I can accomplish. It is impossible in our own abilities to ever gain what is necessary to enter into heaven, but God can accomplish it. It is something that God must do for us. And so let's ask ourselves another question as we're kind of just pondering these things. What if I stop sinning now and never sin again? What if I stop sinning now and never sin again? Let's just kind of be real. Is that a reality for you? Most, it's, it's, it's really, it's not a reality for us. I think if we all look back on the last seven days, I think each, each of us could look back and say, you know what, I didn't, I didn't always say the right thing. I didn't always do the right thing. 
Praise the Lord, not everybody sees these. I didn't always think the right thing. Have you ever heard like those illustrations that, you know, man, what if God put all of your thoughts up on the screen? Praise God, he's not going to. Hallelujah. That's a horrible example. Right? But so you and I, this whole idea here, you know, what if I, what if I stop? Listen, you and I, we're hopeless with that question. Because Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I mean, the, the, this you and I, it's kind of, we, we, we still have this flesh. So I'm thankful for Jesus and we're going to get to him in a moment. But in other words, we are sinful and you and I, apart from the grace of God, that's all we would ever be left to. Furthermore, a single sin, let me go a little deeper, a single sin would be enough to destroy us forever. James tells us in James 2.10, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, what? He's guilty of all. I mean, you keep 99.9999999% of that puppy and then you mess up and just mm, one area. One area. Guilty of Man. God is so unfair. You are. Because that's not God's metric. His metric, not you. His metric, not your righteousness. I'll be honest with you. Even the good things we do, sometimes our motive is wrong. I mean, even sometimes in a church, and I love our church, and I love how, how we help one another and we cry with one another, but do you realize that sometimes even the help that we extend has a motive to it? And, you know, hey, if I'll just, you know, if I'll just help so-and-so, I'll just pick on Mike Ferrendo because he won't get offended at me, you know? If I'll just, if I'll just help Mike Ferrendo, then, you know, he'll remember my birthday which is April 5th, by the way. See that? I mean, the motive's horrible. We're going to put this up on the web, okay? Ask Mike if that way everybody can know when my birthday is. Yeah, I came out of the dark ages and got a Facebook page. So I think now you're going to get notified. Horrible. April 5th, by the way. You see what I'm saying? I'm having super fun with this, but it is April 5th. Even the good things we do are just wrecked sometimes with the wrong motive. That's why God said, hey, you're not the man. You kept 99.99% of it. There's, well, I'm kept none of it, but the point is that if we thought we could, and if I just if I just stop sinning now, okay, well, if you stop sinning now, what about the guilt of the sin before? For all of sinning, I'm sure, the glory of God. Uh, Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. We're all guilty. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let me ask, ask another question. Is there any way to be free from the guilt of sin? Because I think I just pointed out that all of us are guilty. Okay? All of us are guilty. Is there, is there any way to be free from that sin? Well, praise God. The Bible says in 1 John 1-7, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood... Of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from some sin. But how can Jesus' blood cleanse us? Just trying to kind of take this, just kind of one step at a time. How can Jesus' blood 
cleanse our sin. Well, when God forgives, he doesn't merely just overlook sin. Atonement must be made. If you were to, we don't have the, we don't even have the time, and not even going to go up on the screen. But if you were to, if you were to look through the uh, the Old Testament sacrifices um, in the Book of Hebrews, you kind of learn a little bit of what the purposes of those. The Bible says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. And so they always had to slay. It had to be a perfect sacrifice. Even when you go to Genesis three in the garden, they tried to clothe themselves with the fig leaves. I mean, all of a sudden they're like, yikes! I don't have any clothes on. They didn't know that before, but they sinned, their eyes were open. Definitely some truth that Satan said. God's, God's keeping some things from me. Always partial truths. All of a sudden it's like, wow, no, 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 this, this isn't right. Sin entered in. Things changed. They take, they sew fig leaves together. And God's like, no, 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 no. I'm going to play an animal. I'm going to give you coats of skin. It's the type always of the shedding of blood. Every lamb, every bull, every goat that they that they slaughtered year after year. Some on a, some types of things were weekly. Every single one of them was to a, a, a an ultimate lamb. When John said in John one verse twenty nine, not going to be up on the screen, but it says this is this. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And so when God forgives you and when God forgives me, he doesn't just forgive some of it until you sin again. No, he gives you full atonement, full right standing before God. It's never been about us and it's always been about Jesus. His dying counts in our stead if we believe. However, that only takes care of the guilt of our sin, right? Kind of only washes away the mistakes of our sin. Remember what the requirement was. The requirement was, hey, be holy for I am holy. Be perfect for I am perfect. The verse that we looked at again earlier, your righteousness must exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees. He shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. But yeah, praise God, his blood washes away that sin. It washes away that guilt. Praise God for that. What about tomorrow? What about for the rest of the day? Especially if the Eagles lose. Get mad. So then you need a future, right? You need a you need a you need a game changer. God requires righteousness. Well, the next question is, is where do we get that perfect right? Following the train of thought here? Where do we get that perfect righteousness? Well, the, the full merit of Jesus is righteousness is imputed or credited. To those who trust him alone for salvation. Scripture teaches that God, he, he justifies the ungodly. And how does he do that? By giving Christ's righteousness to man. We see that in Romans 4, 5. But to him that worketh not. It's not turning over a new leaf. It's not saying, hey, from this moment on, I'm not going to sin anymore. That's crazy. You can't control when someone cuts you off on the way home today. He said, well, Ryan, I'd never cuff. Sometimes you guys, we think it. Worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted for right. You and I, we get, we get clothed with his righteousness. You've heard these little cliches. If you've been in church for any length of time, the word justified, it's as ju just as if I'd never sinned. You know what else it is? 
just as if I'd always obeyed. You get Christ's record. And by the way, Christ's record was that's what God required. God said, hey, no one's getting into heaven unless you're perfect. And every one of us got to say, well, me, but I know. Tempted at all points like as we are yet with. That is why the Apostle Paul was willing to kind of discard all of his all of his own efforts to try to earn God's favor. He tried to, he said, you know what, hey, I'm gonna, I want to stand, I want to stand before God robed in Jesus' righteousness, not mine. It says in Philippians 3, verse 8, doubtless, I count all things with the law for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You know what the Apostle Paul said? The Apostle Paul said, my squeaky clean record, which he was good. He said, touching the law, blameless. He said, all of that matter. I don't want to stand before God in my right. I need the righteousness of the one that died on the cross. I need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If you're not a Christian, you need to lay a hold of this truth by faith. And it's this, the sin that will keep you out of heaven has no cure but the blood of Jesus Christ. If you and I are weary of your sin and exhausted from the load of your guilt, he tenderly holds forth the offer of his life and forgiveness an eternal rest for your soul. Matthew 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The final question for us to ponder this morning is this. How can I be sure Christ is? can I be sure Jesus has never turned anyone away that has come to him. Jesus said in John 6, 37, it says, all that the Father give me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast down. I am not, not good enough to come to Jesus. Nah. Yeah. Right, you don't, you don't know my, you don't know my checkered past. Exactly. You say, Ryan, you don't, you don't know about my, about my years of doubt. Exactly. Ryan, you don't know about this and, and this in my family and this in my, this in my lineage. We spent an entire Christmas season looking at all of the scandal that's in Jesus' lineage. Incest, that's where, um, that, that, that's where Ruth came from. Or, or yeah, where he was in Jesus' lineage. You've got you've got Rahab and you've got Tamar, those that were willing to act like a harlot or be clothed like one. These are in Jesus' lineage. Your 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 past is not too much. It's not too checkered. It's not too dark. It's the very past that you ought to bring to Christ. Come to Christ. Receive Christ's forgiveness.
because all are invited. Revelation 22, verse 17, in the spirit and the bride say, come and let him that heareth say, come and let him that is a thirst come and whosoever will let him take the water of life freely. Have you come? We all, we all want to go to heaven. And hopefully, hopefully we've learned a little bit about it this morning, kind of academically. And we can't be too good. We, we, we can't be good enough to get in. Next week, we're going we're gonna to look at the question of will we remember pain in heaven? I'm going to deal more specifically with will there be any sin and sorrow in heaven? We're going to look at the question to those in heaven know what is going on down here on earth? Have you ever asked that? Or have you ever wondered that? Hmm, I wonder if Granny's looking at me right now. We're going to try to look at that. Will, the, will, will we recognize and be reunited with loved ones that have gone on before us? We're going to look at this question. Do all dogs go to heaven? But knowing about heaven and knowing that that's your final destination to entirely different. And I wonder if you know that heaven will be your final destination. Have you come to a saving knowledge in Jesus Christ? Some last week did. I'm going to ask you in your heart of hearts, do you know heaven will be your home? Do you know when you take that final breath, as that thief did on that cross at some point, he did it most likely in maybe complete darkness. You don't know. But he put his trust in Jesus. Will you also put your trust in Jesus? Your head bowed and your closed. I'm going to ask you once again for no one to be looking around. I won't, I won't embarrass anybody in the world. How many of you can say, Ryan, there was a time in my life, and bowed eye closed, just listen to the question. You can say there was a time in my life where I put my faith, I put my trust in the precious blood of Jesus Christ to give me that atonement, to wash away my sin, and to also give me God righteousness. There was a time in my life where I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and I want to testify to him raising my hand. You say, that's me. You raise your hand. God bless you. Your hand down. Amen. Amen. Might there be a man or woman in here this morning? Put your hands down. Might there be a man or woman here this morning? Might say, but Ryan, I, I don't know that, but would you please pray for me? The Lord, is, the Lord is working in my heart, and I would like to know more about how I can trust Jesus Christ. Please, no one looking. I didn't embarrass the last folks. I wouldn't embarrass you for all the world. Say, Ryan, that's me. I don't know, but I'd like more information about that. Would you pray for me? Anybody? Bless you. Let me put your hand down. Anybody else? Yeah. Listen, God is God is working. God is God is God is working in this series. Here's what here, here's what I want. Here's what I want. I want you to realize that. That you're not alone. You realize that God is drawing and that Jesus is in his presence and his spirit is, is here this morning. God, 
God saved souls last week and God rescued people and they were and and, 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 and it made the difference in their life. I want to encourage you to make that same decision in your heart. May God give you the courage. I'm going to pray for you now. Father, I pray that, Lord, you would work in the lives of individuals right now. I pray, Lord, that if there's a man or woman that didn't even, wasn't, couldn't raise their hand or wasn't willing to raise their hand, that in their heart, God, that they would begin to realize that only Jesus Christ is. And Father, I pray for, God, the specific one that was willing to raise their hand. I pray that, God, you would work in their heart. I pray, Lord, that you would, that you would use this time here in a moment to draw them to you. Father, I'll be very careful to give you all the glory for everything that is said and done. Keep our heads bowed and keep our eyes closed. I'm going to have the music continue to play. I'm going to give you an opportunity. I know that it wasn't so much of a message.